covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thank you so much for being tuned in as we come your way following what was mostly a quiet winter meetings for the Brewers. They do make one move, and that will be a large part of our discussion today here on the podcast. As we get started, though, let's do our normal thing. We'll do the housekeeping items. Uh, If you listen to us via Apple Podcast and want to leave a ranking or review, uh, feel free to do so. And we always appreciate that. Helps, uh, especially on the Apple Podcast list, help other people find the podcast. So rankings and reviews are always uh, good. If you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, if you just listen maybe at WTMJ.com or on Stitcher, do your thing. We appreciate you being tuned in. But for those of you who are listening on Apple Podcasts, the ranking and review helpful. If you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is via Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. You can also uh, get me via email, mpauley, M-P-A-U-L-E-Y, at goodkarmabrands.com. And that is the uh, best way to uh, get at me via email, and uh, we can talk all things brewers there. And speaking of that, you know, a lot of times uh, you see kind of mailbag editions, whether it's actual podcast or people put together uh, stories, mailbags. Uh, we've done it one other time in our podcast history. I can't remember quite when it was. It was kind of a last-minute deal. Uh, but as we do get into some of the time during the offseason where things certainly slow down, we want to do another mailbag edition. And as we lead into that, we'll uh, definitely put it out there on Twitter for people to talk, uh, give us questions that are uh, very specific to a certain time frame. But if you have some more like big-picture questions or topics that you would like to hear addressed on the podcast, send them my way, whether it's via Twitter or via email, send them my way, and uh, we'll store those things away for when we do our uh, mailbag edition. I kind of started thinking about that this past week. Well, actually, we've got a couple questions on uh, Twitter recently that I've got stored away for when we do, do our upcoming mailbag. And then this past week during the Brewers weekly show on WTMJ had somebody call in and ask a question about the Rule 5 draft, but not just the Rule 5 draft, about the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft. A lot of people don't care about the Rule 5 draft, period. Very few people talk about the minor league phase and care about the minor league phase, but it is kind of interesting as there is more to the Rule 5 draft than just what most people are commonly familiar with where you're able to pluck a guy from another organization. They have to stay on your Major League roster or they have to be offered back uh, to the other team. That's the common part of the Rule 5 draft, but there's a minor league phase to it as well. So maybe big picture things like that, things in baseball that you don't understand, terminology, you know, baseball's a, uh, especially when it comes to the business of baseball, There's a lot of just words and phrases that you're probably going to hear thrown out all the time. I probably do it right here on this podcast where it's kind of a a common part of the baseball vernacular, but it doesn't make sense to you which is totally fine. If you got some questions, we'll go through them on a future edition of the podcast. I just want to throw that out there. Not 100% sure when we're going to do that. Hopefully we'll do it before uh, the new year. If we don't get to it before the end of the, uh, the of 2018, it'll be very, very early on in the 2019 portion. All right, so the winter meetings this past week. 
Brewers make one move. They acquire left-handed relief pitcher Alex Claudio from the Texas Rangers in exchange for a competitive balanced draft pick ends up being number 40 overall. Here are your kind of bullet points on Claudio. He's a multi-inning guy. He's a ground ball guy. He's got three years of club control left on him, and he's also got a minor league option. So what does all that mean, and what are the ramifications to all of those different things? Oh, and he's a left-hander. I don't know if I said that or not. If I did, I said it twice, and that's okay because that's pretty important as well. So what are the what are the ramifications, and what, what specifically, all those things that I just mentioned, how does that play out to the way the Brewers want to do things? Club control. Brewers, and David Stearns has said this before, their goal is to go get as much controllable talent as they can and put it in the organization. Three years of club control, that is controllable talent. Multi-innings, that's one of the biggest questions I have going into next season. And I don't really know how this is going to play out. And maybe we'll start to get a little bit of an idea during spring training, but just the way pitching works during spring training, I wouldn't expect to really know how things are going to go until the season starts to get underway. The Brewers think outside of the box when it comes to pitching, and it works. We saw the kind of run they were able to go on in the month of September and then into the postseason in October. But September, you have the expanded rosters, and they had a ton of off days this past September. And then once you get into the postseason, you have a ton of off days as well. So there's things you can do from a pitching perspective in September and October that seemingly, seemingly, you can't do in the months of April, May, June, July, and August. So that's, that's the big question. Because the Brewers' pitching strategy this past year in September and October worked so well, how do you apply that to a 25-man roster with very few off days like you have during the first four months of the season? I don't have an answer to that question. That's what, of everything that I'm most interested in going into this upcoming season, that how they... How they go about utilizing pitching is what I'm probably most interested in. I would suspect, my guess would be, the pitching in the first four months of the season is fairly standard. Maybe something a little funky here or there, but nothing crazy. That being said, Tampa Bay has proven that you can go through an entire season utilizing a lot of initial outgetters and using having, you know, quote unquote bullpen games. And they're planning on doing that again this upcoming season. And I know the Rays weren't in the postseason this past year, but the Rays were a really good baseball team. Rays might have been the team with the best record that did not make it to the postseason. I have to double check that. I think they were. They were really good. So Claudio, multi inning flexibility, that's big because if there are more days where the Brewers Use an initial outgetter as opposed to a starting pitcher, and the uh, what I'm, the the difference between the two, an initial outgetter is a lot of times a bullpen guy who's not going to give you five plus innings, where a starting pitcher is a starting pitcher, 
and they're going to give you those five-plus innings more often than not. You know, the guy that when you look at the roster, it says SP next to the starters and RP next to the relief pitchers, uh, just because they may all be getting a, a fair amount of starts, depending on what happens, there's, there's definitely a, a separation between the two. All right, so multi-inning flexibility, we hit that. Left-handed, that's big, especially after they non-tendered both uh, Dan Jennings and uh, Xavier Cedeno. So there was definitely a hole in there in terms of uh, needing a left-hander in the bullpen. Three years of club control, that speaks for itself. Uh, they they want guys that they can control for a while. And then the minor league option kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Now, we've got Kyle Esneski from uh, Brew Crew Ball coming up on the program in just a bit, and we're going to get into this much deeper with him. But the possibility of Claudio being one of those guys who you're able to shuttle between the big leagues and AAA is a nice thing to have. And that's not a... That's not an indication of how good of a pitcher he is. It's more an indication of the Brewers like to be able to utilize roster depth, and they can basically create a larger-than-25-man roster by shuttling pitchers up and down. You just got to have enough guys that can be effective at the big league level because when you send someone down, they got to stay there for a while before they are eligible to return. That was kind of the extent of what happened at the winter meetings. Uh, Brewers still need a second baseman. I am talking to you as I record this. It is 10.14 p.m. on Sunday, December 16th, and at this time uh, they still do need a second baseman. I would say that's the one area that they need, you know, capital N-E-E-D, need. Uh, they they could potentially use another catcher. They have had conversations. I don't know. They certainly don't need that based off what they uh, have on the roster. They could use more starting pitching. They're going to get more starting pitching. I can guarantee you that. Uh, they'll sign a starter or two before all is said and done, but that's not a need per se. Uh, maybe relief pitching, but they've got a lot there as well. So the need that is left is uh, at second base. And I guess you can argue, hey, there's there's Hernan Perez, there's guys like that, Tyler Saladino, do they really need it? I, I think a, a veteran bat to play second base and really keep that seat warm until you're able to give the job to Keston here a full time. To me, that absolutely is a need more so than anything else. Again, coming up on the program, a conversation with Kyle Lesneski from Brew Crew Ball. Uh, but right now, let's get to this week's headlines of the week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's headlines of the week. The biggest headline was the one that we just mentioned and talked about in our first segment, the acquisition of left-handed relief pitcher Alex Claudio from the Texas Rangers. Again, in exchange for Claudio, they send the 40th overall draft pick uh, in the upcoming draft. That was um, a compensation round pick, so uh, the compensation round A, um, or competitive balance round A, excuse me, competitive balance round A pick. Uh, So basically a draft pick that is stuck between the first and second round. As far as what else happened, uh, Jimmy Nelson uh, signed his, uh, he he avoided arbitration. Uh, They agreed to a one-year deal, $3.7 million. It's uh, what he earned basically this past season. The only thing that was added was a $50,000 bonus if he wins the National League Comeback Player of the Year award, which would be uh, pretty cool. Brewers had reportedly had meetings with catcher Wilson Ramos. And again, that goes back to us talking about 
them potentially upgrading at that position where they've got they've got some depth with major league experience with Manny Pena, Eric Krantz, and Jacob Nottingham. But uh, Wilson Ramos did reportedly sign a deal with the New York Mets. It is uh, pending a physical, but once it is officially completed, it is going to be worth $19 million over the course of two years. And that, I don't know if the Brewers would have been willing to give him multi-years, and I certainly don't think they would have been willing to give him uh, that kind of money. So he goes to the Mets, who are trying to make themselves a very competitive team in a uh, very short amount of time. Those are this week's Headlines of the Week. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers x Trains, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. As we do continue on, it's time for a social media conversation. Very happy to welcome onto the program. He is the managing editor over at uh, Brew Crew Ball. His name is Kyle Lesneski. Kyle, it's always great to uh, talk to you. How are you? Um, I'm doing pretty well, Matt. How about yourself? I'm all right. We'll let folks know you're you're fighting a little bit of sickness and you're still doing uh, the interview. So uh, you're playing hurt today and it's very much uh, appreciated. And uh, we'll, we'll just uh, jump right into things. And uh, coming off the winter meetings, not a huge, not, not a lot done by the Brewers. They acquire a relief pitcher in Alex Claudio for a draft pick number 40. I guess I'll just start off with that. Um What's uh, what's your takeaway from that move? Um, I think it was a pretty solid move for the Brewers. Uh, Claudio is a guy that I wasn't tremendously familiar with going into the trade, um, but once I started kind of digging into him, and I'll, we'll have more of this on the site this week, um, he seems like he, he's a, a perfect fit for the pitching system that um, the Brewers have kind of designed over the last several years. Um He's a left-hander, which the the team kind of needed another one of those pretty badly um, after letting both Dan Jennings and Xavier Cedeno go. The only uh, healthy left-hander on the 40-man roster to that point was um, Josh Hader, uh, considering that Brent Suter is going to be out for a majority of next season. Um, so, you know, there, there wasn't really any doubt in my mind that the Brewers were going to look to address that, um, you know, kind of shortcoming in their roster building at in some capacity, um, and they were able to go out and, and get a guy in Claudio who's had a, a pretty fair amount of success at the MLB level. Uh, he's a young guy. Uh, I believe he'll pitch at age 27 next season. Um, he's already had parts of four seasons in the big leagues. Um, in over 200 appearances, he's got an ERA around 320. Um not a guy who throws hard, uh, average fastball. Uh, he, he's a sinker specialist, and his average sinker comes in around 86, 87 miles an hour. Um, but that's really not something that's that's ever scared the Brewers off. Um, they had one of the uh, softest tossing pitching staffs in baseball last year um, when you look at the totality of their staff. And, um, you know, I think, I think Claudio is a guy who will fit in well. Um, he's... Uh, more of a of a sinker changeup specialist, which means that he's not somebody who necessarily needs to be pigeonholed in against left handed uh, against left handed hitters only. Um, although his numbers uh, kind of s- suggest that he's he's more suited for um, facing lefties more often than he is in facing righties. But he's had 
um, lengthy stretches of his career where he's shown that he's able to go multiple innings and he's able to retire guys effectively from both sides of the plate. Um, his numbers didn't look great last season, had an ERA around 450 for the Rangers, um, although adjusted ERA minus still suggested that he was a, a better than league average re- reliever last year. Um, but in 2017, he, he put up 80-plus uh, innings of an ERA around 250, um, working 70 appearances. So uh, I, I think that his versatility is going gonna, is gonna to be something that will be really valuable for the bullpen next year. Um, and I think the fact that he has a minor league option remaining is also something that was, um, you know, uh, something that, that David Stearns and his staff uh thinks pretty highly of um, just given the way that they rotate through pitchers throughout the season and um, having that additional layer of flexibility in a, in a guy like Claudio, somebody that, you know, if you need to, you can send him down to the minors and get a fresh arm up and, and not have to worry about it that way. I think it just, it really increases the overall flexibility of, of what we might see with how they work the bullpen next season. That, that's an interesting point you make. And I want to get back to that in, in just a moment, but a couple more things kind of more directly about this trade first Claudio goes for the number 40 overall draft pick that's a that's a high value pick you should be able to get a pretty good player at uh at number 40 overall and we know how much the Brewers value draft picks and value the uh the the player development system so uh, you get the three years of control that's key you just mentioned the minor league option as well but they have to think a lot of Claudio to give up the 40th overall draft pick yeah, um, you know, I think it's it's kind of interesting once you once you take a little bit of a deeper look at it. Um, and my colleague Brad Ford and um, my colleague at BP Milwaukee, uh, Nick Zettel, have both kind of looked at what um, what the value specifically of that draft pick is. And I want to say something like only eighteen of the fifty four picks taken at number forty overall. Uh, through the year 2015, even made it to the majors, um, and the median wins above replacement for that pick is is somebody who doesn't make the big leagues. Um, so you know, once you once you get outside those top 10, 15 picks of the draft or whatever, like we've been saying for the last several years, you know, it becomes a lot less of a slam dunk that you're going to be able to find uh, a quality major league prospect at that level. And you know, I I think when you kind of look at the last couple of players that the Brewers have taken in that range, um, you know, the first guy that kind of comes to mind for me is Jake Gatewood, who, um, you know, he, he's an exciting prospect in as much as he's got maybe as much raw power as any player in the system, um, but he's certainly a flawed prospect in, in his contact issues and all that kind of stuff. Um, Brewers gave him a, a significant draft bonus, and, you know, they, they really have yet to see any fruits that and then um, another guy that comes to mind is uh, Nathan Kirby who they selected in the supplemental round um, a couple of years after that and um, like any pitcher he comes with significant health risks and and we saw how those health risks have kind of played out so you know the Brewers have picked at that slot sort of recently in the last few years and it hasn't exactly worked out like you'd hope um, and the draft itself is, is such a crapshoot, and it's, it's tough for where the Brewers are at right now. The, having the actualized major league player who you know is, is going to be able to provide you some kind of positive value over the next, you know, whether it's just next season or even the next three seasons if they keep Claudio around that long, um, that's 
more important, I think, to the organization right now than what they may be able to get at the number four overall pick and the slot money that comes along with it. And we, we kind of saw the same sort of thing, I, I, a little bit of a different scale last year. You know, they were, um, they were willing to give up the draft pick to sign Lorenzo Cain and, and immediately improve their big league roster. And while Alex Claudio is not going to have anywhere near the type of impact that Lorenzo Cain had, um, you know, it just goes to show again that they are valuing a little bit more wins at the major league level now and in the near future than what they may get five, six years down the road from this prospect who may or may not work out at the number 40 overall pick. And for the Rangers, who are kind of at the front end of, of what looks like um, it might be a little bit of a lengthy rebuilding period, um, being able to roll the dice on a player at that slot is, is probably more valuable for what they're trying to accomplish long-term than the Brewers right now who are trying to maximize the competitive window that they're in the middle of. All right, going back to what you just said a moment ago, and we weren't going to talk about this, but I think it's uh, it's a very interesting conversation to be had because we're – I think most people are kind of curious what pitching is going to look like for the Brewers if that if April through August uh, is going to look the way it looked last year, or if they're going to try to somehow, some way, utilize more of the way they did things uh, in uh, in September and October. Well, one thing for sure. We saw this past year they made depth and organizational strength where guys were coming up and down constantly, especially from pitchers. Well, we knew as that strategy kind of goes forward, one of two things is going to happen with this team. Either they're going to have to bring in new people who have minor league options or they're going to have to change the way they do things because these players are going to graduate to a point where you can't just send them back down. So the the Claudio minor league option is notable because of that because now he's kind of in that group of people that could potentially be riding that shuttle between uh, Milwaukee and now San Antonio. But what's your takeaway kind of on the, the – maybe it won't affect the team so much this upcoming year, but from a, from a long-term perspective, how do the Brewers go about continuing to do what they've done uh, with so much movement, especially in the bullpen, where if you've got guys who you've developed maybe at some point in time, you're not going to be able to send them down? Yeah, I think that that is um, – I don't think we're going to be moving, moving backwards. I don't, I don't think that it's going to be something where – we're going to see less of what the Brewers did last year. I think it's, if anything, it's just going to be continued to be built upon. And when you look at the composition of the pitching staff right now, um, I want to say off the top of my head, at least eight of the guys that are projected to make that opening day roster um, are guys who can, who can be optioned down in the minor leagues. And I think that's, that's a theme that we're going to continue to see um, going forward for the Brewers. It, it, it feels like it's becoming less and less about the individual players that the Brewers are putting out onto the field, um, specifically in regards to the pitching staff. I think what they're trying to do is they're identifying certain pitching profiles that they think are going to work um, for what they want to do as far as how they build their defense and all that kind of stuff. They're looking for guys that fit that profile and who have the flexibility to be moved up and down to the minor leagues 
rather than looking at guys who have names that we recognize and maybe, you know, have, have some level of big league success. I think we're going to see less and less moves like, um, you know, uh, it, it feels ill-fated now, but we like the Matt Albers move last year where they signed him for two years at, at two and a half million dollars a year. Um, at the time, that looked like a pretty solid move. You know, Albers was coming off a really strong season and, and had a pretty solid track record. It obviously didn't work out as well. Um, but I think that less important than the fact that, Hey, Matt Albers is a guy that the Brewers are going to have to pay two and a half million dollars to next year is more so, Hey, Matt Albers looks like a guy that the Brewers are going to have to figure out how they keep him on the roster throughout all year, instead of being able to use that spot as, as more so of a shuttle spot. And, um, I think going forward that. Like I said, we're probably going to see less moves like that unless they come um, on a minor league contract like a guy, uh, Dioli Scara, that they just signed. I think we'll see more moves like that, more minor league deals for guys who maybe jump out to their scouts or jump out to the analytics department as having a specific skill that fits in you know, to the to the criteria that they look for when they're building their pitching staff than it is looking specifically for, hey, you know, we might be able to get this guy on a bargain. There had been some rumblings that they were interested and that there was a conversation to be had uh, with Wilson Ramos, and now he has reportedly signed a deal with the New York Mets on a two-year deal. We know they think highly of Eric Kratz. We know they think highly of Manny Pena. You still have Jacob Nottingham, um, who's probably, if if everything stays the way it is right now, looks like there's a pretty good chance he could start the year at at AAA. At some point, he's going to have to graduate uh, to the big leagues. I know you always want to make your team better, and and, even if it costs you somebody you think highly of, and the Brewers do try to make their team better on an everyday basis, but on the same side, I'm 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 really curious how this is all going to play out because I do know how highly they think of both Kratz and Pena. What's what's your takeaway on the catching situation right now, and any possibility that the Brewers might try to upgrade? You know, I was just kind of musing about this on Twitter a little bit before um, before you called and we started this chat. Um, but I think that the fact that you know, they met with Ramos during the winter meetings and, you know, were apparently not willing to match the two years and $19 million that he's reportedly getting from the Mets. Um, I, I think that that may sort of indicate just how valuable they see um, the defensive abilities that their catchers bring to the plate. Uh, you know, Ramos is a guy who, coming into the offseason, MLB trade rumors had him projected as um, somebody who could score, you know, a three-year, $36 million contract, looking at $12 million a year, something like that. And, um, you know, maybe the fact that he didn't really even get anything close to that suggests that, you know, maybe there's something more there that we on the outside don't necessarily know about. Um, but for the Brewers, I, I think that what, Eric Kratz and Manny Pena bring to the plate defensively is just that maybe just as important as what an offensive upgrade to that position could be. Um, Ramos is not somebody who, especially since, since he came back from his most recent knee injury, um, he's not somebody who's graded out exactly strong as a, as a defensive catcher. 
um, specifically in the pitch framing department. I believe he's been below average there for the last couple of years, and that was something that both uh, Manny Pena and specifically Eric Kratz thrived on last season. And, you know, as I mentioned a little earlier, uh, the Brewers as a whole had one of the softest tossing pitching staffs in baseball uh, relative to the rest of the league. So when you've got a bunch of guys on your on your roster that aren't throwing 96-97, um, being able to get those calls on the margins of the strike zone becomes that much more important, um, you know, specifically for, for a guy like Zach Davies or as we saw with Wade Miley last year and Brent Suter last year. Um, you know, those are, those are guys who have been able to have a good amount of big league success pitching at, you know, much lower than average MLB velocity. Um, and I think that the fact that Kratz and Pena both have shown a strong ability to aid their pitchers in that manner, um, is something that's valued very highly within the run prevention system that, that the Brewers have kind of developed over the last couple of years. It's not just the skill of the pitchers on the mound. It's what the catchers behind the plate can do to help out the pitchers on the mound. And it's what the defenders behind the pitchers can do and, and how they can be shifted around to kind of vacuum up all the balls in play that are happening. And, and um, you know, it, it's not just, hey, how good to these how good do these names look on the pitching staff? Because, you know, we, we talked on and on and on all last year about how, oh, the Brewers aren't going to have enough pitching. The Brewers aren't going to have enough pitching. And, you know, it certainly wasn't the pitching that, that held the team back from making it to the World Series this past season. So um, I guess I'm not... I'm not incredibly worried about trying to find a, a major offensive upgrade behind the plates. Uh, I think if they do want to want to pursue something like that, um, theoretically, Grandal, Yasmani Grandal would make the most sense. Uh, he's obviously got an impact bat, plus he brings um, plus catch framing or pitch framing skills to the plate from. Um, from the position of catcher, uh, you know, it almost makes me think that maybe somebody like JT Real Muto, who, um, you know, a lot of people have talked about maybe the Brewers trying to go out and get this winter. Uh, he's not somebody who grades out very well as, as a pitch framer historically. So maybe he's not the slam dunk fit that, you know, we might all want to think that he would be for, for the Brewers. Um, so that's something I think when, when we go forward and we talk about how they build the roster and how they build the pitching staff, that's something that we're going to have to keep in mind that we need to remember how all these players kind of interact together not just, hey, this guy looks great because he's got great stats. This past week, they agreed to terms avoiding arbitration with uh, Jimmy Nelson. Basically, he's making the same what he has made, what he made last year, which he missed all season. There's just a clause in there that if he wins comeback player of the year, I think he gets 50000 extra dollars. But uh, he's coming off an injury, which is not a normal baseball injury. So when you're coming off, not when you have those sort of things, you don't completely know how you're going to respond. We're not really going to know what he truly looks like until well into spring training. Should fans have any expectations for Jimmy Nelson at this point, or should it be treated more like a guy who's coming off Tommy John surgery where that first time, you know, first few months uh, that, that he's there, it's more about just kind of rounding back into form and not immediately going back to the person they were prior to the injury? Yeah, I would. I would definitely say that we should temper any kind of expectations that, that we have for Jimmy Nelson next year. And I think the front office is, is 
doing a good job of, of trying to set fans up for that mindset. Um, when they agreed to terms with Nelson this past week, um, David Stearns came out and said, you know, we're, we're just going to kind of let Jimmy do his routine and all this kind of stuff. And, and we're going to base what we want to get out of him on how his body feels. You know, they, they don't know how he's going to react really to facing live hitters or what it's going to be like trying to rebuild his arm stamina, um, or even what, what his stuff is going to look like coming out of his hand. He hasn't, you know, he hasn't really thrown a competitive pitch in over a year. By the time he gets to spring training next year, it'll be, you know, some 18 months since he's faced hitters in like an actual live game situation. Um, and you know, as, as you mentioned it, you, you say, we don't know exactly what a guy coming back from Tony John looks like. Um, but I mean, I would maybe argue that Jimmy Nelson's spate of injuries is, is even more questionable than what a guy might look like coming back from Tony John. Um, it, it was the labrum. It was the shoulder capsule. Um, it was the rotator cuff, all of those mechanisms within his shoulder needed some kind of surgical repair. It was obviously a very, very involved procedure for him to be held out the entire season last year. And he's already, you know, he already kind of plateaued through his rehab in the summer. They thought, you know, maybe he was going to be back around the all-star break and, and he ended up never getting back at all. So, you know, in my mind, I'm not, I'm not really expecting anything specifically out of Jimmy Nelson. Um, I, I think it's unwise to already be penciling him in as a starting rotation spot and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, David Stearns wasn't even willing to commit that he would start the season on the active roster versus, you know, potentially opening the season on the disabled list. Um, we, we just, we don't know. It's, it's almost a total unknown at this point. Um, you know, obviously, He's got the track record of being uh, a potentially dominant MLB pitcher, um, and it would be outstanding if he's able to get back to that point for the Brewers. And, you know, my fingers are crossed that that he can do that. Um, But until he can get on the mound and and show that he's able to do those things like he's been able to do in the past, um, I think it's best to just just kind of count on nothing from him almost at this point and, and be pleasantly surprised when, when he does come out and um, is able to maybe give us a hundred innings of 350 ERA baseball or something next year. Who knows? I, I really, I mean, I would, I would recommend not having any sort of specific expectations regarding this guy, but he's got reports about his work ethic. You know, he's not, he's going to be a guy who's, who's not going to be outworked. He's going to do everything he can to get back to being the pitcher that he was. And that's obviously going to work in his favor. But like I said, until we can see what he's actually able to do on the mound, um, we, we should just be hoping for the best and, and expecting nothing, I guess. All right, final thing for you. This is a little bit more of a big-picture sort of deal. Last year, the market in the offseason moved incredibly slow, and that's always going to benefit the teams because there's going to be more available and players are going to get a little itchy to sign deals. Uh, Not that the market is just speeding by right now, but clearly the market is moving a little bit faster this year than it did last year. Do you think 
the the different market and the fact that there seem to be a few more guys signing deals uh, this year as opposed to last year, do you think that has any impact on the way the Brewers go about the rest of this offseason if, if they possibly miss out on some guys that they were hoping the market would come down on, anything like that? Just kind of assess the, the market and its implications on the Brewers. Um, I guess I wouldn't necessarily think so. Um, the Brewers coming into this offseason weren't really ever going to be a team that was going to make a big splash move. Um, you know, they're they're kind of, from what it sounds like, they're they're already kind of up close near the limits of what they'll be able to handle payroll-wise. Um, you know, which as a fan is maybe a little bit disappointing. Uh, they're they're around ninety-eight to one hundred million dollars in projected payroll for next year um, at this point, and that's pretty close to club record. Um, but that record was set, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, something like that. Now, so um, I guess I I don't think that it'll be. Um, something that kind of spurs the Brewers into more action or something like that. With the way that their team is set up, it, it's they're not necessarily looking for impact pieces. They're just looking for more depth guys to round out the roster. Um, I don't think they were ever going to really be involved in the bidding for a guy like Patrick Corbin or anything like that. Um, I think that they're looking more along the lines of like maybe a Jeremy Hellickson or somebody for if they're going to bring in rotation help. And I think as far as the bullpen, we'll probably see more more under-the-radar type moves like uh, Dio Lascara and Alex Claudio like we've seen already. Um, and then at, at second base, um, you know, that's kind of their most glaring need, and, and the club has mentioned as much that they want to go out and fit somebody to play at second base this winter. Um but there's so many available options that are out there that, you know, there just doesn't really seem to be any reason for them to rush into rush into things there. Um, the way that they, the way that they're able to um, shift around their players and, and they've obviously got that figured out pretty well. Um, it it kind of mitigates, you know, that they, Oh, they need a guy who can play really well defensively or, um, anything like that. Uh, I guess ideally I would like them to pick up a right-handed hitter to, at that position to maybe kind of shore up some of their deficiencies against left-handed pitching last year. Um, but you know, there, there's still guys like DJ LeMay who's sitting out there. Um, he might be, he might even get, um, end up getting a little bit more than the Brewers are going to be wanting to pay. But, um, you know, I would imagine that, you know, maybe a guy like Isabel Cabrera is, is still sitting out there later on in the winter. A guy like Wilmer Flores is, is still sitting out there later on in the winter. Um, and, and those are guys who could certainly come in and, you know, maybe provide the Brewers what they're looking for out of that position. Um, somebody who can, who can be steady and, and sort of a consistent producer with the bat while just kind of keeping the seat warm for, um, for the eventual arrival of Keston here, which is, you know, sort of what they're looking to bridge the gap for. So, um, I, I guess I wouldn't necessarily expect them to, to look to make any significant moves here over the next coming weeks and months before spring training starts. Um, but David Stearns has, has shown us that he's a guy who, who will explore every depth of the market as, as much as possible. And, um, you can expect that the Brewers, when when they do eventually make that signing or, or make that trade, that it's it's going to be something that they've gathered a significant amount of information about and, and a player that they specifically feel comfortable with. 
Take me through. Uh, you, you guys uh, always have a lot of content at uh, Brew Crew Ball. Already mentioned that uh, you'll have some more stuff on the trade coming up soon, but just take me through uh, what's going on up there and what the offseason looks like for you guys. Um, we're just kind of continuing along. We're, we're looking at various free agent targets and trade targets and, you know, potential trade assets that the Brewers have on their roster. And um, we'll continue to do that as, as the winter drags on here. And um, we're also working on, I, I um, did an interview recently with uh, Brewers prospect Daniel Brown, and I'm working on getting that all transcribed, and, and we'll have that posted up on the site. And um, he had some very interesting things to say about the Brewers' new pitching coach, Chris Hook. So I think that'll be something that um, that fans who want a little bit more information about what he brings to the table will enjoy. Um, and then as we kind of get towards the end of the year 2018, uh, keep an eye out for, um, you know, kind of our year-end wrap-up posts. We're going to take a look at, you know, the top pitching performances of the year and the best defensive plays and longest home runs and all that kind of fun stuff. So um, just kind of continuing along with our, our off-season coverage as usual. And then obviously any and all breaking news we'll, we'll cover from any angle. Well, we definitely encourage, and I think everybody, most everybody who's listening to this podcast probably checks out uh, Brew Crew Ball on a normal basis. Uh, BrewCrewBall.com is uh, where you get to it. Kyle Lesneski is the managing editor at Brew Crew Ball. Kyle, it's always great to talk uh, to you. Thanks so much for taking the time, and we'll catch up again real soon. Yeah, it's my pleasure, Matt. Always appreciate the opportunity to come on and chat with you. Kyle Zdowski joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. And again, big thanks to uh, Kyle as he uh, dealing with some uh, sickness right now, and he still came on to uh, came on to the program. And we appreciate him taking a little bit of time. And you got to check out uh, if you don't already read it on a daily basis, you should be uh, him and his staff. And he's got a ton of writers, and they all do a, a fantastic job. Uh, you can read them at BrewCrewBall.com, and uh, that's. Great. Great stuff, and of course, follow them on Twitter as well at Brew Crew Ball. That's going to do it for this edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My thanks to Kyle for joining us on the program. Again, if you've got some of those maybe larger, uh, so like big picture items or uh, large topic conversation starters that you want us to hit on here on the podcast uh, during the offseason, and uh, we'll try to get to as many of those as we possibly can, feel free to send them my way on Twitter or uh, via email went through all that information at the top of the podcast so if you fast forwarded through the uh what would i call them the uh the housekeeping items or whatever i say at the beginning of the podcast you press that little forward button just to get to uh, the feature interview there is some information there that uh, you can go back and uh, check out for yourself uh but with that we wrap things up don't forget i'll be back with you on the radio on wtmj coming up on thursday night for brewers weekly we do that every thursday night from eight o'clock to nine o'clock and I'll take a bit of a hiatus from that show. Greg Matzik will be in for me a lot uh, after the new year. One of my side jobs is the play-by-play voice of uh, Green Bay Phoenix women's basketball. And once they get into Horizon League play, they play Thursdays and Saturdays a lot. So that knocks out uh, a bunch of my Thursdays. But uh, we'll still have the show on Thursday nights. Encourage you to be uh, tuned in for that. And as always, we'll post those uh, shows afterwards uh, here on the podcast page. And in fact... Here's a little teaser, something that probably won't really come to fruition here for a while. Uh, But 
uh, sports producer, head lead sports producer, the sports producer at WTMJ, Ashton Rotman. He and I were uh, talking a little bit this past week and uh, coming up with an idea for people who maybe listen to the Brewers weekly show uh, on the radio, give them a little something extra and bonus uh, on the podcast version. So that's something that uh, is in the works. I can't really say much more than that right now, but just know we're always trying to uh, add something here in terms of you being able to uh, enjoy Brewers content 12 months a year. But with that, that's it for this edition of Brewers Extra Inc. the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.